Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, October 11th, 2020 called Beacons of Hope. Hope I'm Invited, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 2 and 4. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a banquet for his son. My oxen and fattened calf have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. We've been doing a whole series of sermons, and the tagline or the the lead line on it is Beacons of Hope. We thought it was highly appropriate that we would be able to talk about what are those things that really kind of shine as as, uh, places where we can really find hope in these tough moments. Like I look at that one passage here in Philippians. Isn't that, if that's not one of your favorite passages or marked in your Bible, you should mark it. You know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely and admirable, right? Think on these things. Would you say that any of those words mark the public discourse that's happening in our country right now? I mean, it's just so disappointing and disheartening all around. It's just difficult. So I'm longing that the church can be that, a place where that does happen, where we can talk about things that are praiseworthy and noble and lift our eyes up. So I hope uh, it really is our prayer to, that these are beacons of hope for you as you live your week out and uh, if you get a chance to revisit these passages um, on this. You know, this is a different experience for me, not having my partner in crime so Jim and his family, Pastor Von Bush and his family are, are in Rupert now, and they're worshiping there, not leading worship. He'll start leading worship and preaching next week. And then his, uh, his installation is on the 25th in the afternoon. So he's asked me to come preach on that so I can chastise him publicly in front of the whole... No. Um, but um, we actually are bringing our mobile streaming cart. So we've got our, 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 our support team because Benjamin is gone uh, today, and God bless Christina. Good work, girl. Doing great. So she made it possible for us to make this happen still with the live stream. But we're taking our live streaming cart to Rupert so that we can have that, and if you want to see it remotely, you'll be able to watch that live, um, his installation service. Um, So in this passage, I don't know about you, uh, thinking, I would love you to just kind of ratchet this in your own mind. Have you ever had a party that you just longed to be invited to? A party or an event? Can you think about that? Maybe when it was in your life. Do you know in 2017, you know what was the most sought after invitation? It's fun. I don't know how they really determine this. I'm, you know, this is off the internet. The most sought after invitation at the Grammy Awards was an event sponsored by the Chainsmokers. Isn't that like the world's worst name for a group? But anyway, for the Chainsmokers, and they were hosting an event which was famous singers like Stevie Nicks and others who were in the Chainsmokers were singing Tom Petty songs. People went nuts. In 2018, you know what the most sought-after invitation was? It was to Harry and Meghan's wedding. Most sought-after invitation. And then I think we gave up in 2019 (laughs) and 20. But the idea behind this is there are some things that people just long to be invited to. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're one of those people that hopes you never get invited to nothing. Um, But I, and I'll tell you when it was for me, was high school. Uh, Back in those days, and you may think, how can he remember that far back? But I still can, dimly. Um, And what I remember 
is in, those, in that era, that was a phase in my life, and I dare say it might be true for a number of us, where you longed to get invited um, to certain things, to fit in. Maybe you were the cool kid. I wasn't the cool kid. I wasn't the worst. I, wasn't, I was in that beg middle of you hope that you could get invited and, the, and somebody that you, that you thought would think that you were good or special or you were valuable or there would be some girl there I would try to meet who I was hoping to, to ask out on a date or get to know or maybe it was some friends that you hoped to be with or maybe it would just be fun, just fun. And you wanted to be included in it and if you didn't get invited, it was pretty devastating. You know, I remember, this is back in the day, when you didn't have smartphones and constant contact and you didn't have Instagram and Snapchat and you didn't know what was going on constantly in everyone's life in real time. And there were moments, can anyone relate to this sitting by the phone? Hoping that it would ring? Just hoping? Um, and so there's all kinds of reasons for wanting to be invited to things, isn't there? But yet this is a story that seems to be about people not wanting to be invited. So now let me make a statement here because if you're watching online, especially uh, as I looked at this text, because this is the text that's assigned for today. We're in that season where we're, we're in our tradition, we have readings that are assigned. So I could have taken the Philippians one. How cool is that? Whatever is noble and praiseworthy. I could have talked about that. And I could have chastised all the rotten politicians, right? But instead, you know what I would have done. I would have hammered on us a little bit too. Right? For, we need to improve the conversation and we, we need to be part of improving that. But this one was more tra- challenging. And as I looked at it, and I, re- I was talking to Teresa about it this week, and I said, I want to be careful here and I want to be as gracious as I can be because it would be very easy, right? And those of you that are watching online, please take note. It could be very easy for me to say, you guys are awesome because you guys accepted the invitation. And, you know, in spite of the coronavirus, you took precautions and you were safe and you came. And so you showed, you conquered fear. And all of you guys online, well, you didn't answer and you made your excuses. And that would be horrifying. That is not what I'm saying. It's not what Jesus is saying. It's critical to me that you know that. Because it would be very easy to read this parable that way, wouldn't it? It could be easy. Oh, yeah, the people who come to church, they're awesome. And if you went, you must have some lame-o excuse. And that's not what this is. I would venture to say, let me challenge all of us that are here present in the room, because sometimes we're actually present and not present. Would you agree with that? Sometimes we've got excuses working in our heads, even though we showed up. And sometimes those of you that are not able to make it, your hearts are breaking because you can't be here. And we would long to be with you. And you're, and you're devastated that you're not able to be here. You may be caring for a loved one who is very, very vulnerable. You yourself may be recovering or struggling, going through chemotherapy. or You may have, you may have a dozen beautiful, perfect reasons to not be able to be here physically. That does not mean you did not answer the invitation. Because sometimes even when we show up, we didn't honestly answer the invitation either. So trust me on this. I don't, I don't, God usually doesn't spare anybody a little bit of correction. But I don't want you to read it that way. What I do want to know is, what I do believe the law on this is, the law part of this, is would you agree with me, and I'm going to ask you to see if you agree with me, that we're all pretty good at coming up with a lame excuse 
periodically? That we can, all of us, find self-serving or selfish excuses, sometimes even when we know it's God himself who is calling us. I'm in that group too, because you don't have to say anything. But I'm in that group too. Um, And so what I want to do is encourage you. I said it was a beacon of hope. Let me give you the beacon of hope from this. So first two, first two uh, points in your sermon. If you have the paper one, just bring them up quick. The first one is because of who God is. Go ahead and show that. And then the second one, click back to the second one, and then I'm going to have you come back to one. And the second one is because of who you are. Go back to one now. The first two points are the gospel in this this session. The others have a little bit in it too. But here's how I'm going to do it. Normally when I preach you a sermon, I tell you that you're broken by sin and we're all busted by sin and here's how we screw up, here's how we're goofed up, and here's how God in his mercy and his grace chose to love us and chose to restore us and redeem us, right? Isn't that how it normally goes? I'm doing it backwards this time. Because here's the first two points. You know why God sends you an invitation? Here's the great news. The overarching good news of this text today and of this sermon today is this. I want you to hear this. Every single one of you, whether we're here physically in person or you are coming into us over uh, online, every single one of us holds in our hand an invitation from the King of Kings. That is an invitation which was handed to you by his servants. Call them prophets, call them teachers or apostles or disciples or pastors, or maybe it was your Sunday school teacher or a youth pastor. Every one of us holds in our hand an re- invitation given to us by the King of Kings who says this, in honor of the wedding feast for my son, I desire the honor of your presence. And that invitation is written, and I'm going to take, this is metaphorically, I'm making this up, but I imagine it, that it's written, the ink is the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. That's what you, every one of you, hold in your hand. That's good, would you say that's good news? Now here's the funny thing, not everyone thinks that's good news. Because if I have that invitation, people immediately begin to say, oh no, now what do I owe him? Am I obligated to bring a present? How big a present do I have to bring? Oh, how much time is this going to take? I have nothing to wear. And by the way, the, the parable goes on. He also sends clothes. Here's how weddings went then. You got two invitations. We still do this today. We do it now, don't we? Save the date. You get to save the date, and then you get the invitation. Well, it's a little different than that, but essentially you get one invitation that says, my son got engaged. There's a wedding coming up. Stay tuned. I want you to come. First invitation. I got to get everything ready. It took a while to get everything ready. So he had to fatten up the cattle and he had to butcher them and he had to get the harvest in, had to get the best grains, had to make the wine, had to get all that together. And then the second invitation came out and said, okay, everything's hot and ready. Come on, show up. And then with that second invitation, you typically got clothes also because the king knew that the people he invited almost certainly didn't have good enough clothes to wear. So he also gave him clothes. That's, I'm just telling you, if you want some good news and some hope, and this is why we have to take those excuses out to say, in our hands we hold a handwritten invitation from the King of Kings to come celebrate with his son. That's God's real reason. There's all kinds of reasons we hope to get invitations. Make a friend, find a date, make business connections, have fun, I don't know. 
in some cases, drink too much, party too hard. Those are the wrong, some are wrong reasons, some are good reasons. But the reason God wants you to come is to celebrate. He's got a reason to celebrate. He's given us a reason to celebrate. And so that's what he's doing. And the good news is this, is why does God extend that invitation? The first two points are that, because of who he is. And the second one is because of who you are. And you need to hear this really good news to start with. Not just that you have the invitation, but that it was extended to you because of who he is. The generous, loving, extravagant God who longs to have you present, to welcome you into his presence, who loves to party and celebrate. I had someone say to me just a week or so ago, and I had to laugh because as a kid, I used to think this all the time too. So I sat right there where the Rodriguez's always sit. That's where I sat in, in growing up in church every Sunday. And I was in the era when kids did not go up with their parents. You sat there, and if you did well, well, my parents didn't do this. It was just, you better sit there and be good. But other kids got M&Ms. But anyway, um, sit there. So I would sit there, and people would go to communion. And when they would come back, I thought that somebody had died, or they had contracted a venereal disease, or something, something terrible uh, that they had done. Some plague had hit them, because they all came back, you know, just looking like their best friend had just croaked. And it was so funny to me because I'm hearing the pastor tell me that this is the wedding banquet and the wedding feast for the Lamb. And I'd been to a couple weddings, and I said, they don't look like that. And so it's interesting to me that what God loves to do is celebrate. God is longing to celebrate because he's given us reasons to celebrate. Even in the midst of a pandemic, even if, and we've had a couple members who have wrestled with, um, with covid who got some fairly severe symptoms, who've had to be hospitalized. We continue to pray and ask for God's grace and healing power for them. So we prayed for James. We prayed for Sherry. We prayed for others. We've had teachers who have contracted that and students and so forth. And so thank God. Thank God. We're blessed. Recovery is good. But people, there's reason to celebrate. Even in the midst of this, reason to celebrate because you hold in your hands an invitation from the King of Kings to the wedding feast of the Lamb, and it's because of his nature. Not because he's after power. Not because he's trying to show that I can control you. Not because he's saying, how dare you turn me down. Not because he's wanting to say, I can manipulate you, or I can get you to do something, or I'll get you to show up with all kinds of gifts and presents for me, which he doesn't need. Instead, he's longing to give them a gift. That's the nature of the one who's doing the inviting. Come to the wedding banquet. It's the king who prepared a wedding banquet. He didn't go and steal all his neighbor's cattle. He didn't go and harvest somebody else's field. He himself gave of his own wealth that we might be celebrating at the, at the wedding feast. Second thing, it's also because of who you are. The precious and treasured, unique, distinct, every one of you, made by his own hand, with his own distinct fingerprint, you are the masterpiece and the high point of his creation, and you are the very focus of his love. That is who you are in the eyes of God. Whether you see yourself that way or not, that is how our Savior sees you. And so we hold that invitation in our hand. Why did he invite us? Because of who he is, the generous, extravagant, lavish, loving God who loves us without conditions, and his precious, precious children. That's how he counts us. 
But then it's interesting because now the next three points, I want to also tell you why he did it. And these might be, maybe these are a little correctives. Let's see if they're helpful. Let's see if they give you guide. Knowing that those first things, those gracious things, are true and certain and sure, I pray that these three also encourage you. So we, did a, we hosted a pastor's conference here. So it's really interesting. Our district of our denomination of the Lutheran Church, we have four states, Alaska, Oregon, Washington, Idaho. All four states have different rules on, regarding COVID. And say, Oregon, very similar. Alaska, different. Idaho is the most open, most kind of flexible. And it's interesting, and a lot of that's population-based, and where's your concentration of population and so forth, all of those things. And it sometimes even varies by jurisdiction, by local municipality and so forth. So we do a conference every three years. It's called an all-workers conference. So it's all our teachers in our schools and our directors of Christian education and deaconesses and pastors. And we've all come together for big conference. It'd be like a 1,000 of us. We'd all come together, and, or maybe more than that, it might have been 2,000. Anyway, so we did it in the Tri-Cities three years ago. It was great. It's great. You get together as presenters. You worship together. You talk about ministry. You share with each other. It's great. Well, here's the pandemic. Can't do it. Can't do it. So our district decides to do it all on Zoom. I don't love Zoom anymore, I'm telling you. I'm so done with Zoom. But it's still a good tool. I'm thankful for it as a tool. But I don't, it, it, it just leaves, uh, anyway, so much to be desired. Anyway, um, so I said, I got this hot idea. I wish I'd thought of it a month earlier. And so I invited all the pastors from Idaho, southern Idaho. Hey, come over to Grace. And we'll move all our chairs and we set up our tables all spread out and we'll watch it here. Watch the presentations and then we'll talk. And then in the evening and the afternoon we can visit, we can worship, it'll be great. So we had 11 pastors come out of 35. 11 pastors came. It was good. We had our staff. So we had about 15 of us here discussing and then we did worship in the evening and it was great. Here's the thing I want to share with you. So we sat through the seminars on Zoom and we did our discussions. And then in the afternoon... The pastors just gathered themselves, just 11 of us. And, um, and we do this thing that's called casuistry. Isn't that weird? Church, is, church has funny language. Anyway, casuistry. Casuistry means you go around from person to person and you share what's happening in ministry in your location. It can be things about your family. It can be things about what's going on in the church. It could have been about the pandemic. It could be about who you baptize. Sometimes pastors ask questions. What would you do? You know, that kind of thing. Normally, for that, a number of guys, we do it monthly or so, normally. It takes us about 90 minutes, and that's a long time, sometimes less, but about 90 minutes to do that. Four hours. It took us four hours. Eleven guys. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? People are desperate to be together. You know why God invites you to the wedding feast? See point number three? Because we need to be together. God is longing for us to be together. And he's longing for us to be together safely at any time, right? And that safety can be physical. That safety can be being patient, kind, not being judging, right? That kind of thing. Safety can take its forms in all kinds of ways. But this one is God invites us to the wedding feast because he longs for us to be together, especially when it's of the, the wedding of the lamb. You know what is the irony in this passage? You know, what one of, you know what one of the favorite terms for the church is in the New Testament? It's called the bride of Christ. I find this very interesting because who is the master inviting and for what purpose? The event is the wedding of his son. 
In other words, if we translate this to the terms that we know the New Testament authors understood, it is God the Father inviting His church to come, the bride of Christ, and be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Way too often, way too often, I think we read this parable and think we're just sitting in the chairs. And we're not. We're actually being invited to stand at the altar as the focus of the love of the very Son of God. Because we are the bride. And so isn't it interesting? You don't have a wedding if the bride don't show up. And so God is longing to celebrate the wedding. That's how honored we are. That's how honored we are, and it has to be uh, together. Next point, fourth one. So it's interesting. I did these uh, three weddings, and the one I couldn't go to, which I so longed to do for Aaron and, and for Melissa, but the three I did do that were just, and they were all really neat. And it was fun when I was sharing and, and, and teaching and preaching a little bit. And I said to them, right, kind of at the start, I said, isn't this great? Did any, do any of the rest of you feel like you need this, like I needed this? Just a gathering together where we could cheer and we could rejoice in the love of this couple and we could celebrate with them. Didn't you need this? And they just, that was probably, they, I don't know that they listened to anything else I said. They at least cheered for that. And so it was really cool because I believe that God also invites us to the wedding banquet because we need to celebrate this. And you know what's interesting to me is we're not just celebrating that there's a victory over sin and death and the devil. If our whole Christian life is simply, thank God that we beat the devil, that would be sad. That's worth celebrating. But what Jesus is saying is, I beat the devil so you could live. If our only goal right now is simply to defeat a virus, we will have impoverished ourselves and we will have missed the mark. The goal is to live. Now, don't read me wrong. I'm not saying you have to ignore the virus. And it's a hoax and it's stupid and so just live. I know I'm saying that. But the goal is to live. It's why you go through surgery and chemotherapy, isn't it? So that you can live. It's why we endure the things we endure. So that you can live. That's God's desire. He longs for us to be in attendance because we need to celebrate. That's his gift to us, his invitation to us. Because even in the midst of dire and challenging circumstances, it's critical that we celebrate. And then the last thing is this. And I, I, uh, I told, I, when Ryan first came, I told him I was going to tell this story. So I got his permission. So Ryan came on staff as a DCE. And it was interesting because he went to Concordia, uh, Chicago, Concordia University of Chicago, and what we've discovered is that many of those places that prepare youth workers and DCEs and teachers, they kind of tell them this. Hey, when you get in the congregation, it's a busy place, and sometimes they'll demand too much of you, and there'll be so many hours, you have to be really careful about making sure you take your day off and keep it kind of sacred. And that is healthy, that is healthy advice, because it can happen in the church. It's a 24-7 thing. It can be. You're always on call. And so it can be challenging, and it, it goes in seasons and ebbs and flows. But it was funny because you also need to tell them, however, ministry does not stop simply because it's your day off, right, on the same time. So I would call Ryan, he wouldn't answer my phone. He'd like, I'd be like a day after, two days later, and I'd call or I'd do email, and he wouldn't answer his email. And after a couple of times, he'd answer me a couple of days later. I said, what are you doing? Well, you know, I've got to keep my, my day sacred. And I said, no, no, no. When I call, you pick up the phone. 
I go, this is the deal. And I said, because you know what? I'm not calling you to, to talk to you about the Cubs game. I, I, I'm, if those of you that know me, I'm not very good at small talk. I'm not, I, I mean, I move from small talk real fast. There's more important things for me to do. And so it's interesting. And so we laughed about it, and he was actually awesome. He was awesome. And since then, he understands because I said, if I'm calling, it means that someone who is connected to you or to this church or this ministry needs us. And we need to be able to process through this and be able to do it. And so it's interesting because how we respond says something about who's doing the invitation, doesn't it? That's the last point on this. And, and by the way, I've got to be so careful. Goodness gracious, I'm not comparing myself to the king. That's a horrible comparison. But sometimes you've got to remember who's doing the inviting. Why? When God calls, it matters. When God is the one who's calling, our response to him reveals what position he holds in our life. Would you agree with that? Our response to God reveals what position he holds. I mean, if it's like, oh, God is nice. He's gracious. I'll, just, I'll do that later. God doesn't call on a whim. God calls for all of these reasons, because of his gracious nature, because of how much precious you are to him, because he knows we need to be together, because he's longing to celebrate, and because he wants you to remember what position he holds in his life. That's not meant to make us feel bad. That's to remember that there actually is someone we can count on and trust who has authority in our lives. And for that, we're grateful. And with this final word, final word, and I'm done. What it really does is, is that when we answer the phone, we discover what position we hold in his heart. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this story that you give us because, Lord, sometimes it hits me right between the eyes because it's easy for me to make excuses. But, Lord, at the same time, you understand. You also understand, and so you never stop inviting. You remember that there are times and circumstances that are difficult, and so we long to answer your invitation in ways that may be different or unconventional. Maybe we're answering in prayer, or maybe we're diving into the Word. Lord, when our excuses are poor, when they're kind of just fakey, forgive us and correct us. Because we want you to hold first place in our life because we have held that position in your heart. And for that, we give you thanks and praise. Thank you for pouring out your gifts and for never stopping to invite us and for the celebration that's in store. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have any questions or comments about this sermon, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.